0: You are Locked on Reds. Thanks for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked on Podcast Network, and we are free and available on all podcasting platforms because we are your team every day. I'm Steve Offenbaker, he's Jeff Carr, and we have a passion for baseball. We have a love of the game. We have taken our love of the game, our passion for the Cincinnati Reds, and we have turned that passion into information for you. you. On today's podcast, Everydayers, let me tell you, we've got a big show for you. Uh, We're gonna be breaking down Andrew Abbott's debut that resulted in the big left-hander doing something that has not been done in the modern era Uh, we're also going to discuss a power surge that had the red legs playing ball like it was 2020 all over again and then we're going to check in on jonathan india because there was a lot of news about jonathan india yesterday a whole lot of stuff going on Uh, we're going to get into all of that before we jump into it though i want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by game time download the game time app Create an account and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. All right, Jeff, I think where we have to start is the debut. And yeah. Drew Abbott comes out, and we were a little worried at first. Things weren't quite going exactly how we wanted him to go, but he hung in there. He battled through. And when it was all said and done, he actually did something that hasn't been done in the modern era. And we're going to get into that in just a second. But before we dive into the nuts and bolts, what was your impression of this young left-hander making his Major League debut at a Great American Ballpark last night?
1: He's absolutely Absolutely here to stay. I mean, he's got the profile of everything you look for for a pitcher. And it's very interesting because there were a lot of different scouting reports that I was kind of going through before yesterday's game to get in a sense for, you know, what the big picture is for him, not just for Monday's start against the Brewers, but for his career. And there's a lot of folks that say, you know, he could be a really solid back into the rotation type pitcher. But what we saw on Monday I mean that's kind of ace material, wasn't it? I mean that, that he was here to stay. If those are the kind of performances he can put together,
0: well, he was working hard. Now, look, I was a little concerned. You know, you and I were out at the game last night. We we watched this live. Yeah, and through the first couple of endings, first couple of innings, he really seemed to. Really, be working on trying to find himself. Yeah. You know, uh, approximate fifty pitches through two, and then he settled in. And for the rest of his time through the sixth inning, he only threw fifty additional pitches, so about a hundred pitches total. And fifty of those came in the first two innings. There were some walks in there. It really looked like he was working to find his way, but then he kind of got in there, and the Milwaukee Brewers hitters really couldn't do very much with him.
1: I think, and, and you know, David Bell kind of summed it up. Very succinctly in his post game, he's like, you know, he's human. I'd, I'd kind of worry if he didn't feel that way. And he felt the adrenaline rush there in those first couple of innings. You could tell even because, you know, the scouting report on him for his fastball at least is, you know, low to almost mid-90s, probably could touch 95. He was regularly hitting 96 with the fastball, so that told me he was overthrowing it. But it was interesting of what he had to say about his performance there in the early going, especially with, you know, problems with base on balls and things like that. I think that was just a little bit of nerves, but mostly just me kind of saying to myself, hey, I don't like walking people, so let's, you know, get after them, get in the zone. My yeah. stuff's good enough to get out, so let's just go right at them. I, I personally don't like the four walks. I know it's, it's a tough stat. You know, the game overall was good, but the four walks are like my personal, just like I've got to be better than that for the team. I kind of love that, and not from like a, you know, let me make sure I stay down on myself perspective here, but he's keeping grounded because, as we have said, this is something, what he accomplished, that hasn't been done in the modern era.
0: No, absolutely, and and what he said there is he's going to continue to make adjustments. We know the hitters will make adjustments. It's good to hear that he's going to make adjustments, but let's talk about what he accomplished. Uh, For the first time in the modern era, a left-handed rookie making their debut that went six-plus innings Allowed only one hit and gave up zero runs. That's never been done in the modern era by a left handed pitcher. And it happened last night at Great American Ballpark. And I think you hit this when we previewed it that that four pitch mix really played well oh, against the Milwaukee Brewers hitters.
1: And you could see it. Like whenever he was hitting the fastball up in the zone, he would try to tunnel it with a curveball. The curveball was really, especially as he got settled in, it really seemed to get up on the Milwaukee Brewers hitters. They really could not figure that pitch out. There was a lot of bad swings and misses on it. There were a couple of check swings where they were able to hold up, but even then it was almost as if it took a superhuman effort to make sure that the bat didn't break the play. Like, he was really confusing them with that, and that that was something that I loved to see because, you know, you talk about the mentality, there was a lot of people that were trying to, especially in post-game stuff and on Twitter, that were just like, man, this guy, he's got a bulldog mentality and stuff about that, and that's a nice thing to say, but what's your stuff like? And he had great stuff on Monday.
0: He did. In fact, you know, you and I, as we were, you know, narrating the course of his <laughs> of his outing while we were standing there, you know, we we were concerned if he was going to rely too heavily on the fastball, if he was going to rely on just one or two pitches and and continue to tunnel him in there and let these hitters figure him out. And he really never did that. Every time we thought he should mix it up and change things up a little bit and maybe you know come in with the sweeper or come in with the curve, he did that. He would throw the off speed stuff. He I, I was really impressed with his ability to really keep the Brewers hitters off balance. Nobody looked very comfortable against him throughout at any course of this start. And and one
1: other thing about that four-pitch mix, we talked about this with Graham Ashcraft yesterday where he had, Graham Ashcraft has two pitches that break very similarly. Uh, Andrew Abbott really has two things working for him in this four-pitch mix. Number one, all of them break differently, which is huge. But number two, there are so many different speeds. Yeah, the low to mid 90s fastball is something that just about every pitcher has anymore and it's really not that impressive. But when you pair it, with an 80 to 82 mile an hour curve ball, like about the same with the sweeper, but it breaks differently from the curve. And then you have a changeup at 86, 87. You can really mess with the hitters, not only their eye level or where the ball is going or how it's breaking, but also how quickly it gets to the plate. He has so much, uh, so so many weapons that he can call upon. I really think we've got something here. And that that's what kind of, leads me to this next thought, because now we're talking about Andrew Abbott is ready. We were hoping this. He's ready, he's here, he's staying. You're talking about a rotation that, later on in the season, whenever Nick Lodolo is healthy, is now going to have three left-handers. Oh, that's exciting. And Andrew
0: Abbott, Brandon Williamson, and Nick Lodolo. I I can't remember the last time we had... Have we had... Three lefties I in the rotation? we have to dig into that so. a little bit. I don't think that we've had three left-handers in this rotation in a long, long time. I'd have to go back
1: through some historical Reds rotations, but I, I venture to say it's rare for them to even have two. I doubt they've ever had three. So th- this is a huge kind of point to look at as we move forward because the Reds will be able to show different looks from their starting rotation, not just their bullpen. You know, when you you really start to look ahead for the future and how the Reds stack their roster up against contending teams, that's going to be a huge talking point.
0: No, and David Bell has already said this was not a spot start. Uh, Andrew Abbott is in the rotation. He's scheduled to go again uh, this coming Saturday in St. Louis on the road. A couple important things to watch, something I'm going to be paying attention to anyway. Uh, You know, when we looked at the scouting reports on him, uh, the scouting reports were that his fastball sits 92-93. Uh, lower end for a major league fastball right now from what we're seeing from a lot of other guys. However, right. watching the radar gun last night at the ballpark, I saw 95 and 96. Now, that could just be based on the adrenaline of making your major league debut. Yeah. So, I'm going to be interested to see what that velocity looks like in this next start. How he rebounds, not only from throwing the ball harder than he's been throwing it, but he threw more pitches that he's been throwing in his yes, starts. He, he broke 100, and, and kudos to David Bell for actually letting him stick out that final sixth inning, break the 100 pitch mark, and finish that inning. That's not something that Bell's done very often, and I was really happy to see it, one, from just seeing if Abbott could do it, two, seeing how he's going to be able to rebound from it, and, and three, really seeing if he could dig deep and push through, and that's exactly what he did.
1: Yeah, the most amount of pitches that Andrew Abbott had thrown in A AA or AAA this year was 97, and the fact that even before the final out of the sixth inning, he had hit that 100-pitch mark. I thought, oh, for sure, this is it. Like, I kind of felt like he had to get a double play on that ball. Right, that's what you were saying. And <laughs> thankfully, that wasn't the case. David Bell was not betting on the double play. I was happy to see that. Um Something about this game is very interesting, Steve, because so the Reds won a game like it was 2020. I think we all remember that year and the main chief complaint that we had about the lineup in that year, but... The Reds haven't done that a whole lot this year. They did it on Monday night. We'll tell you how they did that coming up next. You know, people are always asking me for what the best way to get to a game is, especially for the last second ticket deal. I always tell them game time. Game time is the app to have on your phone. If you're looking to get to the ballpark, get a good deal and know for a fact, that you have that good deal because game time has the game time guarantee. If you find a ticket for the same row in the same section of where you buy your seats for a cheaper price on a different app, game time will credit you 110%. The difference, and we're talking about amazing deals when it comes to Reds games, when it comes to Bengals games, anything going on in the greater Cincinnati area. Download the Game Time app today, create an account, and use code LockedOnMLB for $20 off your first purchase. That's Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code LockedOnMLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today, they have the last minute tickets, they have the lowest price guarantee the reds welcome the los angeles dodgers to town for a three-game set welcome's a strong
0: word jeffrey yeah
1: welcome not very welcome but hey first pitch is at 7 10 p.m tonight you've got luke weaver going up against tony gonsolin for the dodgers you can catch every pitch of the reds hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the sxm app just search Reds And thanks, as always, for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every day, every day dayers, tomorrow on the show. Where do the Reds stack up with the Dodgers on a head-to-head basis? Because, let's face it, the Dodgers creamed the Reds last year. It was a total blowout. Ugly. Wasn't ever close. The seven games that they played were... <sighs> Ugly. Ugly is Ugly. the word you're looking for. Ugly. They were ugly. They were ugly. So uh, what do the Reds do with this? We're, we're going to be covering that on tomorrow's episode. But, Steve, something we've definitely got to cover from Monday Night's Win is the fact that the Reds won a game in a far different way than they've been winning games this year. This year, we know how the lineup has worked. It's it's a lot of base running. It's a lot of aggressiveness, going first to third, scoring You know, from home on some, or or scoring from uh, first base on some hits and things like that. Uh, Not so much on
0: Monday. No, uh, we've been talking about all season how the Reds have been playing small ball. That's what you're describing. Yeah, They they use small ball to get it done. And for a rare uh, diversion from that last night, two swings of bats changed the course of this game two pitches. Stuart Fairchild and your guy Tyler Stevenson who who <laughs> must have heard you talking about him the night before. I'm you. Both of them went yard. Now, Stuart Fairchilds was a no-doubter to left field. He he hit it yes. well into the stands in left field. Now, Tyler Stevenson Oppo taco into the right field bleachers may have been helped a little bit by the wind that was blowing out to right a little mm. bit, but hey, I'll take it however the Reds can get it. Uh it was good to see Tyler Stevenson actually get another home run. That's his third home run of the year and of the three, two have been opposite field homers to right. So I don't know what that means other than, you know, maybe he's not getting around on the ball and we can start to dissect his swing in a different episode like we were doing down at the ballpark last night. But I was happy to see him get the homer because much like I said with Jose Barrero, you have to think that's a moment where he goes back to the dugout and can just be like, oh yeah, I can still hit a home run and, and relax a little bit. So hopefully this is a starting point for Tyler Stevenson that gets his game going he's not put that Viking helmet on too many times this year that
1: he looked good in the Viking helmet. And, and by the way, general rule of thumb for everydayers that probably already know this. And if you're not an everyday, thanks for joining us today. Uh, what you probably don't know is we tend to talk realistically about some players, disparage might be a hard word, but that's kind of where I'm seeing it. And we, then they take it personal. And then they take it personal and they go off. So if we ever do that about any specific player, probably go look at some prop bets on FanDuel surrounding <laughs> that player. In fact, Kevin Newman, who we said should not lead off, got on base twice last night. So there, there's this weird thing that we have about talking bad about somebody and then they go out and they prove us wrong, which you know I like to be wrong when I'm talking bad about a Reds Player's current performance, but with this power surge, it was also interesting to me that on the flip side of things, they were still trying the the small ball. It's not as if they abandoned it. It's not as if it was okay for one game. We're just going to hit home runs and we're not going to worry about anything. Matt McClain tried to steal a base, got thrown out. You had Jonathan India trying to score from first on a bloop double which was literally the absolutely perfectly placed fly ball that you could ever hit right there. In no man's lane between the first baseman and the right fielder that steer turned into a double. And honestly, India should have stopped at third, but he tried the overaggressiveness and it actually bit the reds in a butt because he was out by a long way, maybe three miles like out by a mile is like not even being, it's being too generous to how close that play was wasn't uh and and then the other part of this for me and I kept looking at the scoreboard like man we're not leaving a whole lot of runners on base here it's because it there was at least two I think there might have been three double plays that the Reds hit into It, it felt like anytime someone got on base there was something that erased that base runner fairly quickly so it was good that the Reds were able to win without scoring very many runs because it felt like a night where they weren't going to score very many runs.
0: Well that's the that's the other side of the coin, right? If we want them to be aggressive on the base pass, if you know, and Major League Baseball wants them to be aggressive yes. on the base path, that's why they made the bases bigger. That's why they've changed the rules. This is what MLB wanted. They want the excitement of the stolen base to return. Well, the flip side of that is catchers are gonna throw guys out. It's gonna happen. That's the risk you run. And I, I like Jonathan India having a green light most of the time. I like Matt McClain having a green light most of the time to try and run and, and get into scoring position and do the these kind of things, but to be okay with that, I also have to be okay with the fact that yeah. occasionally they're going to get thrown out, and this was one of those games. Now, I haven't had a chance to go back and watch the film because, like me, you know, we were down at the ballpark. Mm. I don't know if India ran through a stop sign or if Jr. Yeah. If Jr. House sent him or not. If Jr. House sent him, <laughs> someone needs to have a talk with Jr. But I suspect that Jonathan India ran through a stop sign as, as much as he was out in that situation.
1: I was trying to rationalize it in my mind. I'm like, maybe they thought that the throw was going to be off. And uh, we were hanging out with Ken Huber, obscure X reds. And he, he was like, well, the throw was off. It's just, he had enough time to get the throw that wasn't even close to home plate and then set back up and tag. Jonathan India. Basically they were betting on them throwing the ball to the backstop at that point. So yeah, overall weird game for that. Um, shout out though, to TJ Hopkins first career hit got a nice little single there into the outfield. And, and and really, you know, I look at this and, and this game was hilarious in its own right because it totaled two hours and 11 minutes because where, The Reds only scored two runs. Brewers got shut out. Reds didn't have that many guys left on base. Brewers didn't have that many guys left on base. Efficiency was the name of the game, and efficiency was the way that the pitching staff rolled. Like We talked about Andrew Abbott really settling down in the last four innings of his his tenure on the mound. The relief pitching for the Reds was every bit as efficient, even if not more so, when you consider the fact that Lucas Sims came in and threw less than 10 pitches in his inning.
0: No, it was a great effort by the bullpen. I will say that Buck Farmer's line might be a little bit deceiving. Just the difference in looking contact. at the box score and then actually being there and watching it. Yeah. They were hitting him pretty hard, you know. Just there was right one ball people. that went 403 feet to the 404 <laughs> mark. You know, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't as clean as it looked, but they managed to get out of it and survive it. And you're absolutely right about Lucas Sims. You know, I've been off air, wondering to you about him for a while now. And it was good to see him have that type of outing, a clean, efficient, effective outing because that's the Lucas Sims that the Reds need to pitch the seventh or eighth inning to set up your guy, Alexis Diaz, who came in and was once again, absolutely
1: lights out. I feel like this is the formula, especially in a pitcher's duel, the formula of get the starter to go six, Buck Farmer, Lucas Sims, Alexis Diaz. Like, until we see maybe, I don't know, Tony Santion come back from injury, but I'm not counting on him. Until we see, if we see T.J. Antone come back and he somehow fits his name into this equation, right now this is the A squad coming out of the bullpen. And I know that David Bell mentioned in the post game. he's just like, yeah, we didn't have to get Ian Jabo in this game or we didn't have to, and, and I, I forgot the other name that he threw in there as well, but it was just like, No, like, it's it's Farmer, Sims, and, and Diaz is the A squad for this bullpen.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree. And you know, Ian Jabot, that he's a good arm to have on the other day, right? Yes. So used all three today, maybe use all three again tomorrow. Well, that third day, you need that other guy. Yes. And I think Ian Jabot is great to be that other guy, but I don't want to rely on him to be the extra piece of the back end closer. You know, I don't I don't like that usage for him. But I do like what he's been able to do in that other guy role. So you so I agree with what David Bell had to say there. But look, the Reds won this game, they did it in a way they had haven't done in a long time they did it with the home run and it was kind of exciting to to go back to that i've been enjoying the small ball and the stealing of the bases and all of the things but it was it was nice for a couple home runs and some fireworks and a win a stinking win at great american ballpark i, I was really happy chicks did the long ball that's so do we. that is correct now look We got to talk about Jonathan India coming up here in just a minute because there was a lot of news, both in the position he was working out at and then uh, him having to leave the game early with possibly a little bit of an injury. And we're going to dig into all of that here in just a minute and we'll talk about it right after this. Today's episode is brought to you in part by BetterHelp. You know, Jeff, as we move through life, we're always learning more things about ourselves. We're learning things about the people in our lives, about others. Uh, we try to, to master uh, the things we're trying to do in life. We try to be comfortable in our own skin Uh, But sometimes we're hit with things that as we're working to overcome them, we run into difficulties. As we're working to figure things out, we can't quite do it. We're not meant to do all of these things by ourselves, whether it's through friends or through family. We need someone to talk to. Uh, What if you feel like there is no one for you to talk to, that there's no one you can turn to? There's always help out there. BetterHelp connects you with licensed therapists who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched to a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge if it's not quite working out with the therapist that you picked. You can discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, help, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnMLB to find help today. The Reds and the Dodgers get going tonight at 7.10 p.m. The Reds have not beaten the Dodgers since September 17th of 2021. I would like to forget all about 2022. But you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast tonight with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just download the app and search the word Reds. You can also follow this podcast on all platforms, including right here on YouTube. Make sure you are following us on Twitter as well for in-between show baseball talk. We would love to hear from you. You can follow me at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. You can follow him at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three Fs. And you can follow the show at Locked on Reds. Uh, Tease this a little bit there at the end of the last segment, Jeff. Jonathan India was all over the place in Reds news yesterday. Uh, first video emerged posted by almost all of the local beat writers. Uh, Jonathan India taking ground balls at third base, not second, Third base. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll get into that in just a second. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, we get into the game. Jonathan India once again batting third, yep. and I know you have some strong opinions on that. And then in the eighth inning last night, Jonathan India is removed from the game with back stiffness, and David Bell had some things to say about that.
1: I think the only way I got I got him agree, to agree to come out was to uh, to say if we get you out tonight, you can be in there tomorrow. So. Um, he, he typically um, fights me really hard, and, and tonight was no different. But he, it, it was something he had been feeling a little bit a lot of the day, and uh, you know, he, he made himself available and, and made it. Uh, he probably could have played the whole game, but I wanted to be cautious with it.
0: All right, so to hear David Bell tell it, this is not a big deal. You know, there was a little negotiation going on last night. Here's the thing. I don't believe anything they say about injuries anymore (laughs) after everything that we've seen from this team over the last couple years. All that being said, I hope that that's the case, that Jonathan India is in the lineup tomorrow and that he is fine. The question is, where is he going to be in the lineup, and why is he going to be there?
1: Yeah, I, I think the weird thing for me is, look, Jonathan India batting third. It's a sexy idea when you've got TJ Friedel up there. It's a sexy idea if you're going to put Matt McClain in the leadoff spot. It's, a, it's an interesting idea if you have someone to hit leadoff. But they don't! Before the game started, right before the game started, Jake Fraley was about to hit leadoff. And then he was scratched for allergies, which... Albeit, I don't hear that very often. However, I get it that, you know, allergies knock me on my butt sometimes too. So I definitely feel that. But even before that, I was looking at some numbers for Jake Fraley and a possible leadoff role. Didn't like it. I mean, it doesn't sound like a good leadoff hitter. Sounds like a guy who can bring him in. Should be hitting in the middle of the order. Then you have Kevin Newman hit leadoff. I know we got on base twice last night, but we have been over this. He is not a leadoff hitter. Not a leadoff hitter. So look, Jonathan India until
0: the Reds have TJ Friedl back needs to be heading lead off. I think I agree with you, but I also think that there's a lot going on behind the scenes with Jonathan India right now. Mm. Uh, this was all started off with suddenly every beat writer and, Uh, Ken Rosenthal reporting (laughs) that Jonathan India might need to be traded because there's just not going to be a spot for him to play. And now suddenly we see him taking ground balls at third base. Uh, We've moved him down from first to third in the lineup. And I wonder if that's not all being done to create space for a certain number 44. That's tearing the cover off the ball in Louisville. Is it possible that they're getting ready to bring up Ellie De La Cruz, stick him at shortstop, move McLean over to second base and let Ellie lead off for the Reds? I
1: think so, because I think that's that at least at the beginning of LA De La Cruz. I think that is his most likely to contribute to the club's spot. I know that the talent and, and everything that he has, uh, you know, lends him to being at a different position, whether it be third base or somewhere in the outfield. But I think for right now, he's been a shortstop. Let's keep him a shortstop. Let's make sure, because when he comes up, make no mistake about it. And even I even stretch to say this even when Joey Votto's back healthy. I still think Ellie De La Cruz is the best player on this team. And I don't know that it's really that much of an argument. Like, I think you could probably argue maybe Jonathan India, but even then there's all of this talk. And let's address this for a second too, because I have seen some more reports that now there's a quote from inside the team that says uh, they would not look to move fast with a Jonathan India trade. And I'm like, why would they look to move at all? The, 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 the whole thing with this was C. Trent and Ken Rosenthal were just surmising, right? They were just throwing out this idea. You know what? It looks like he might not have a good role on this roster right now. Maybe they should look to trade him. That wasn't, hey, by the way, Nick Crawl called the Mariners to see if they wanted Jonathan India as much as they wanted everybody else that we've already traded to Seattle, it's not. Hey, we got calls from other people asking about Jonathan India, which I probably do. I mean, a general manager is supposed to make his team better, and Jonathan India would make anyone else better, including the Reds, if he just stays right here. You got to figure out how to work him into this roster because he absolutely fits. It's just if if your answer to it is well, we got to trade him,
0: then I think that you're betraying your own plan if you're Nick Crawl. That's probably correct. And as far as India goes, there's enough at bats for everybody to get their full time at bats easily people are just going to have to move around a little bit. So does Jonathan India need to play more than second base? Yes. yes. He needs another position in addition to the designated hitter. Yes. So third base fits the bill. Uh, even with Votto back, you got enough for Spencer steer. You have enough for McLean, you have enough for India, you have enough for Ellie. Easy. And if you can even throw in some corner outfield for a couple of these guys, I know we've speculated that you could probably get Spencer steer to play out there. He hasn't, uh, he would need to learn some things, but I think he could do it. I also think India could do it. Uh, He seems to be fine at catching a fly ball. I think you could teach him how to run the angles. Uh, Maybe it would take a little bit of time. It might not happen overnight, but it could be done. So I think you have to take all of those things and look at the big picture in that if this team really is preparing to compete next season, which that's what they tell us, then part of that would be this year doing these things. Telling Jonathan India, start taking some ground balls at third base. Yeah. Telling Spencer Steer, go out there with the outfielders and start catching some fly balls. Those are the things you do now. Don't wait till the offseason. Don't wait till spring training. Start working that in a little bit now.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think that that's probably where we kind of look at all of these different things of, hey, what about this? What about trades? What about moving in positions? He's taking grounders at third and all this other stuff. The Reds are getting ready for L.A. Dale Cruz. Mm-hmm. And I know... It seems as if with every highlight that they show on Twitter, they're trying to troll us. They're not trying to troll us. This is a carefully planned out marketing campaign of a red carpet worth of a call-up. Because it's been very evident for at least a year now that he's probably the most anticipated prospect that the Reds have ever had in their organization. And yes, I know about Jay Bruce, Joey Votto, Homer Bailey, all those guys. I know about what we thought about them when they got called up. I know about what we thought about Nixon Zell whenever he got called up and how there were stories about how the Reds happened upon him in the draft. There are going to be tales told of Ellie De La Cruz for years and years and years. So why not start it with a sort of like, teaser trailer worth of a thing like the, obviously the reds can't put together a guardians of the galaxy type trailer here but they're doing their best with all these highlights and all of this other stuff and when he finally comes up the excitement in this town
0: is just going to reach a fever pitch look at you working in a marvel reference and that <laughs> is probably where we will go ahead and wrap it up for today but before we get out of here don't forget that you can catch every pitch of the reds hometown broadcast with sirius xm just download the sxm app and search the word Reds.
1: That is going to do it for us here, Steve. Thanks, everybody, for checking out today's podcast. Thanks, all the Everydayers, for hitting us up. Uh, When it comes to tomorrow's podcast, Everydayers, make sure you check us out as we look at where the Reds stack up with the evil empire, with the bunch of bums from LA. No, I'm kidding. Uh, they're really good at baseball and, and really, we want the Reds to be on that upper echelon. Obviously they're not there right now, but can they get there pretty soon? We'll take a look at that tomorrow. Thanks again for checking us out. Make sure that you're subscribed on your favorite podcasting app. Make sure you're following us here on YouTube and you have the notifications set whenever we've got new content for you. Because
0: why, Steve? Because we're going to keep monitoring these transactions and rumors. We're going to keep watching for L.A. De La Cruz. And as soon as we know something, we'll be back right here with the info to keep you locked on Reds every single day.
1: Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar.